Welcome to the podcast of the Sunday morning worship service of the Heartland Church of the Nazarene. We're a community of faith learning to love God and our neighbors as ourselves. Welcome home. Today's sermon text is from Joel 2, 1 through 17. The passage will be on for you, or if you like, please turn to Joel in your Bible. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord is coming, it is near. A day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Like blackness spread upon the mountains, a great and powerful army comes. Their like has never been from of old, nor will be again after them in ages to come. Fire devours in front of them, and behind them a flame burns. Before them the land is like the Garden of Eden, but after them a desolate wilderness, and nothing escapes them. They have the appearance of horses, and like war horses they charge. As with the rumbling of chariots, they leap on the tops of the mountains, like the crackling of a flame of fire, devouring the stubble, like a powerful army drawn up for battle. Before them peoples are in anguish, all faces grow pale. Like warriors they charge, like soldiers they scale the wall. Each keeps to its own course. They do not swerve from their paths. They do not jostle one another. Each keeps to its own track. They burst through the weapons and are not halted. They leap upon the city. They run upon the walls. They climb up into the houses. They enter through the windows like a thief. The earth quakes before them. The heavens tremble. The sun and the moon are darkened, and the stars withdraw their shining. The Lord utters his voice at the head of his army. How vast is his host. Numberless are those who obey his command. Truly, the day of the Lord is great, terrible indeed. Who can endure it? Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and relents from punishing. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the aged, gather the children, even infants at the breast. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her canopy. Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep. Let them say, Spare your people, O Lord, and do not make your heritage a mockery, a byword among the nations. Why should it be said among the peoples, Where is their God? Well, um, like I said, today is a little bit different. Uh, we're doing what we would have done on Ash Wednesday. And, and on Ash Wednesday, we normally kind of read passages of things like confession, and repentance. A lot of times there are kind of prophetic books like the book of Joel is that, uh, that, that God calls his people to begin to, uh, well, to confess from their sinfulness and to turn towards, uh, turn towards righteousness. Or, or to that, that say, um, this is what's going to happen if you don't shape up. And, uh, if, if you don't turn from your way, this is, this is the, the bad thing that is going to end up coming, uh, to you. 
Uh, and so a lot of times we enter into to Lent and we engage in a fast. Uh, we give something up that, that kind of creates time and space for us to uh, to draw closer to God. And, and these passages of, of Scripture have a tendency to kind of pull us that direction uh, as ones that are, that are warnings as to what is going to happen. Uh, this passage of Scripture, though, from Joel has, has traditionally been read in this way as a as a call towards confessing and repentance, a turning and walking from, from one way to another. But I'm not entirely certain that's, a, that's what the prophet Joel is saying or, or wanting to communicate in this particular passage. Uh, the, the tone isn't judgmental. There, there's not a specific sin or a set of sins that, that the prophet is talking about that Israel needs to turn away from. And so I don't think it's about confession and repentance, even though the church has read this passage this way during this season for a really long time. Well, if this passage isn't about confession and repentance, then then what is it really about? Uh, well, I think it's well, well, I think it's a little more compassionate, and we'll get to that in a second. Uh, but the reason I showed this video is because it kind of helps us understand where Israel was at the particular moment. Uh, Israel had had just returned from exile. If you remember your your history of the Old Testament, God's people lived as a as a country in in the land of Israel, and they were so unfaithful for so long that that God allowed them to reap the benefits well not the benefits the consequences of their sinful behavior. And nations from the north, the Assyrians and the Babylonians, came and and destroyed the country and and took the best and the brightest along back to their home. Israel was in exile for around 70 years. And, and finally, God brought them back to Israel, back home to Jerusalem. Oh, well, they got back home, and, and things were not great, as you can imagine. The city was in ruins. The temple had been destroyed. There was no wall surrounding the city. And, and that's what provided protection from, well, from enemies and wild animals and things like that. So Israel has come home, and, and, and they, are, they are home, and they are longing for things to be right and normal again, and, and things are just, they're not good. And then along comes a horde of locusts, right? That, I mean, that's terrifying. Uh, I, I just can't even, I can't even imagine. Um, a good portion of today's of scripture is, we'll go back to this one, is dedicated to describing this plague of locusts that is heading their way. Uh, Describes their their heads as kind of looking like the the helmet of a soldier who's coming for battle. The the whole imagery is very, it's it's very angst-ridden, and these things are coming as as a horde. Can you imagine if your tree looked like that? And they would just, they would come, and, and this guy, he's running, he's trying to chase, he is chasing, he is chasing his, uh, the, the, uh, the locust away from his, his plants. As you can heard in the voice, in, in the video, like these locusts devour absolutely everything. Uh, swarms can be billions strong, it's billions with a B. They can consume their entire body weight in food Every single day. Uh, so if you've come back home and things aren't great and, uh, and, and you're hoping for things to get better, you're longing for normal again, the very last thing that you would want 
is to hear that a plague of locusts is headed your way. If you've just put the seeds in the ground or, or they're just beginning to grow and you're depending on that wheat so that you can eat in the coming season, this is very, very, very bad news. And so I can imagine a messenger who's been traveling, maybe from a different part of the land, is coming to the city of Jerusalem and saying, hey, i got bad news. There's a billion locusts coming our way. How would you receive that, that news? It would, be, it would just be devastating, right? It would be deeply disturbing. I think we know what that, that, that kind of feels like, right? It feels like, uh, like, like a diagnosis from a, from a doctor that's just really dire, cancer or something. Or, or it feels like the news that you've heard that a, that a loved one has just, just passed away suddenly. Or, or it's the, the news of a, a medical bill or an automotive bill that just, uh, you're just not going to be able to pay it. You're not going to be able to recover from it. It may even be like that late night call that you receive that tells you that your kids have yet another snow day. It's that deep anguish and suffering. I kid. I like my children. Well, so often these passages are used to describe uh, what will happen to Israel if they don't shape up or, or anybody, really. And I, I don't think that's what's happening. Like, I think Israel, they've paid their, their price. They've, they've done their time. Uh, I don't think, th- I think this is, I think this, the tone here is a little more compassionate. I, I think we get to, to verse 12, and, and I don't think it's about confession and repentance, but we, we have this phrase here. Yet even now, says the Lord, Return to me with all of your heart, with fasting and with weeping and mourning. Uh, these words from the Lord are they're about desperately seeking God's presence in the midst of catastrophe. It's not vengeful. It's not warning. It's compassionate. At this point, you might wonder, well, like, why is, why is God not stopping this low plague of locusts anyway? Like, isn't God in charge of all of these things? Why, why, couldn't, why couldn't he just, you know, make it go away? And I, I think God, God could have. Uh, but I think there's, a, there's an analogy, maybe an image that might be helpful for us. I think what the, the prophet Joel is trying to communicate, it, it, with this is particularly, is the image of like a, a mother who is there, who is calling their child back to them after the child has skinned their knee or broken a bone or maybe even had a broken heart, right? It's this image of return to me. Return to me with all of your heart. I'm going to give you a big hug. I'm going to comfort you and, and heal you in the only way that maybe possibly a mother can heal. I think uh, I think the way we have to look at this, though, is that well, okay, hold on, let me let me get this straight for myself. 
we have a certain amount of freedom, right? Uh, let's, let's maybe use that, that mother image again. Um, Israel, if, if they're this kid on a bike, let's say they're riding a bike, uh, God could have prevented all of the things from happening to Israel if God wouldn't have given Israel a bike. Okay. We could prevent all of the, all of, we could, okay, let me, this is not coming out like I wrote it up. Yes, thank you. Imagine this. You've had a child. They've grown up. You want them to experience the life that all kids have. You want them to experience the thrill of riding a bicycle. Like, it's just a good skill, regardless. You know, zombie apocalypse happens and we don't have cars. you got to be able to ride a bike. Like, not only that, but it's, it's fun. Like, you, you want them to be experience the, the thrill of going really, really fast with the wind blowing on your skin and through your hair. And, like, going downhill and around the corner. But, like, there's a cost to that particular freedom. I, the, the cost of freedom, of the freedom of riding a bike and enjoying all of that is skin knees and elbows and broken bones, maybe. I, I, think, I think maybe in this image, like the, God has given us this bike, God has given Israel a bike and said, go, use it, have fun, experience everything that is possibly there to experience knowing full well that, well, like there's going to be pebbles and that, that rough patch on the pavement that you don't look out for and you're going around and the bike just wipes out for you. Where you're going to end up getting so, going so fast that you can't control it and you ran into an RV. Happened to me, honestly. Going down the hill, poof, right into the side. Maybe that's what's wrong with me, April. I don't know. Yeah. Like, inevitably, like, the cost of freedom is that something's going to inevitably go wrong. But, and you might, you might ask at this point, like, well, where, where's, where's mom? Where's God in this particular situation? Well, I don't think, I don't think God, and if we extend this, it's image to mom, I don't think mom is uncaring or unwatching. That, that mom doesn't know what's happening. I think mom is there looking out the window, hoping that you don't get hit by a car. Watching, checking all the time. But giving you that freedom to experience the joys, the benefits of life on a bicycle. Knowing full well that skinned knees and broken elbows or whatever. But that in those moments, mom is not uncaring, but mom is standing there waiting. And when something does happen... When the locust plague comes, when you fall off the bike, mom is there. Saying, return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. Well, I, I got ahead of myself. That's the next one. Well, he's saying this. Yet even now, says Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting and weeping and with mourning. Then he says this, rend your hearts and not your clothing. Return to the Lord for your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anchor and abounding in steadfast love and relents from punishing. These are good words, right? 
We read them in the psalm, the call to worship too, part of that end part. Like this is the character and nature of who God is as, as maybe as our mother who's given us this freedom to be able to go and out and experience life. And sometimes maybe we just experience the brokenness of that's just part of life. That's what Israel, I think, is experiencing at this point, creation going wrong. That's part of the brokenness of, of sin that has infected the world. And I think God is calling Israel in this moment, in this passage, like a mother calls to a child who's just fallen off the bike and saying, return to me. Come here. I don't care if you were doing something I didn't tell you, I told you not to do. I don't, I, I'm, it's not I told you so, right? That's not the words. It is, for I am gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. A love that is always and forever, kind of never, ever, ever giving up on us kind of love. These are good words. Uh, I think as we entered the season of Lent, I, I wonder if maybe you, I wonder if maybe we aren't in the same place as Israel has been in this particular passage, right? Like the last twelve months, for some, I think we've failed pretty fair, pretty good here. But the last twelve months have been straight from from hell, really, for a lot of folks. Like we're home, but it's not great. And the last thing we might need is uh, a plague of locusts coming. Uh, negative degrees and power outages and whatnot. But a lot of what has happened for us over the last couple of months has not been our fault, right? It's not been of our choosing, but it has been the brokenness of the world doing what the brokenness of the world does, causing more and more brokenness. And just as God wasn't absent or uncaring with Israel as they faced this plague of locusts, God is not absent here and now among us. But that as we experience the, the brokenness of our world, as we, as we try to move past and establish something new and right again, that part of that is God calling to us and saying, return to me. I am gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. I think, hopefully this makes sense. Uh, Lent is a time of repentance and confession. Yes, it is. And I want us to do that. But I wonder if at this particular moment in time, that Lent is also about coming and clinging and returning to God who will provide for us and heal us and embrace us and comfort us in the way that only God can do. Confessing and repentance, our own sin, that's the stuff that we, we have to deal with. And, and, and we need times where we are conscious and we are, are intentional about uh, sorting those things out and, and offering up to God so that God might help us to be better. But I, I, there are still times when like, the stuff we suffer from is not our own fault and God calls us back to himself just the same.
Uh, because as I told the kids, right, like, you're not God. We're not big enough. We're not strong enough to save ourselves. We're not big enough and strong enough to save ourselves from our own sinfulness, and we are not big enough and strong enough to save ourselves from the brokenness of creation, doing what the brokenness of creation does, which is cause more brokenness. I think we put some of these verses together. I think it bears reading again. Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all of your hearts, whether it be from, from willful sinfulness or just in the midst of catastrophe, with fasting and weeping and with mourning. By the way, I think it's totally fine to own like the junk and to let it run through your body and to mourn through it in an appropriate ways through however you do that. And your hearts and not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relents from punishing. Who knows whether he will not return and relent and leave a blessing behind him? A grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. I think in the, in the midst of, even in the midst of our own sinfulness and in the midst of the brokenness of the world, like this is, we're called to cling to God and, and knowing in hope that God is there. And that even if things may not be better right away, that because God is gracious, because God is that mother who is watching, caring, loving, ready to embrace, that what what we experience will not last forever. Go a little farther. And I think this gets to what, well, I, I think that Lent is for us too. Blow a trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the, the aged, gather the children, even the infants at the breast. You and I, I think God has called us together as a community, as he called Israel together to, as a community, that returning to God, to, to running into the arms of, of God to embrace us in the midst of our own sinfulness and in the midst of just the disaster that befalls us is something that we don't necessarily do just all by ourselves. But it is something that we do as a community of faith, as brothers and sisters in Christ. That we might gather together in times like today. And we might confess and repent. We might name the brokenness in the world, say how utterly devastating it has been for us, and to allow the people who are beside you to be the loving embrace of God for you. Uh, That we might be gracious and merciful and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness for each other and for the world. Lent often gets boiled down to like giving up candy. 
I don't, I don't know if you grew up with that kind of way. Like, you give up something, and it's got to be a sacrifice. And I, I, and, and I think there's something to that. But, but I think Lent is really about helping us to have time and space to prepare for what Jesus does at Easter. And so I think there's two things that I, that I want us to do, and I hope this makes sense with everything I've just said. Two things as we go through Lent. I want you to pray every day this prayer, maybe multiple times a day. And I've, I've asked you to do this before, whether you've done it or not, I don't know. Uh, it's kind of a breath prayer, so you can say it, memorize it really easily. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I think this does, I think it's a, a powerful reminder to us in the midst of the day, one, that we are sinners and we need to confess and repent, but two, that we are not God and we are not strong enough to bring about our own salvation. We can't run into the arms of the God who's created us and loves us like only God can do if we don't understand our place in proper relation to that God. If we think we are bigger and better and stronger than we are, well, then God can never be for us what God desires to be for us. So that's what I want you to do. So you're not giving up anything, you're praying more. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Second thing I want you to do is, I've been involved in this little project and we made a daily devotional and there were copies of it on on the back that you could have picked up. Because they're kind of large, I only printed 16 and we all ran out of them, but we will print more. There's also some that are available uh, online. If you go to a plainaccount.org, um, we're also going to be posting each of those reflections every day. And I think Tammy has been doing the same. So they'll be online. We'll kind of have them there for you. I want you to read the scriptures that are in this reflection. And I, I want you to read what the people have written about those scriptures as a way of focusing our time and our thoughts on what Christ is wanting to do in us as we prepare for Easter. Two things. Pray and read your Bible. That's the Sunday school answer, but they're good ones. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I am not God. I can't face the the horde of locusts that will devour everything in its path by myself. And read your Bible, what people are saying. Allow it to speak to you, to encourage you to, 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 to become more and more like Christ. And if you want to do something like give up something that might create more space for your time to, to focus and pray, do that. Give up a meal. It's like literally a fast. Take the time to pray or read your Bible. Do these things. 
Lent, and this is one thing that I, that I say every year, Lent is one of those things that you get out of it what you put in. Well, Christianity is like that too, just in general. Like, if you're a Christian and you never do any hard work, if you're never self-disciplined, if, if you never try to allow Christ to work in your life, well, then it's just, it's not going to be anything for you. And this is the same way. But I think that at this time, if you dedicate this season to prayer and to reading the scriptures and to reading what other people have written about them, that maybe, just maybe, you'll found that you, well, that you're growing closer to God, that, that maybe even where you couldn't see God standing there like a mother after you've fallen off your bike, where you couldn't see God that was there, maybe you can see God there now. And in the midst of your own sinfulness or in the midst of the brokenness of the world, you might be able to run to God for the comfort and the healing and the salvation that only God can give. Thank you for listening to our Sunday morning worship service. For more information about the Heartland Church of the Nazarene, please visit heartlandnaz.org.